There's a famous quote in the rock and roll world. I have seen rock and roll future, and its name is Bruce Springsteen. That sentence is credited to the journalist John Lando, who would later become Springsteen's manager, and few at that time could have had any idea just how right he would be. You see, the year was 1974, and a young Springsteen had already released two killer albums in Greetings from Asbury Park, and The Wild, The Innocent, and The East Street Shuffle. But what would come next would revolutionize the rock and roll world, with albums like Darkness on the Edge of Town and Born to Run. My guests on today's show might just have more in common with Springsteen than you might think. You see, they've both already had some really great races, but they're both at an age and both working at such a rate that you know that the future is going to be really special for these guys. Don't go anywhere. Trevor Hoffbauer and Brandon Lord are on this week's episode of The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Who is Brandon Lord? Well, for starters, he's a Canadian who has lived in America for a good chunk of his life. He had a pretty successful run in the NCAAs, moved to Virginia to work on his master's, calls Rob Watson a training partner and Pete Watson his coach, and he's gearing up to take his second crack at the marathon this spring in London. And he's not even 25 yet. Brandon joins us from Virginia. Welcome to the show. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. So last year saw you put down a solid PB in the 10,000 at Mount Sac, but uh, then you decided to try your hand at running a marathon in the fall. You know, you're running another marathon this spring, but tell me, do you consider yourself more of a 10,000 guy or a marathon guy at this point? Oh, gosh. Um, I, I'm definitely somewhere in the middle. I, I wish there was more emphasis on the half marathon. But, um, I, you know, I started, uh, obviously, with the, with the 10K in college, and it you know, it was the longest distance I could do, basically. And um, just sort of realized that I was I was good at racing those longer distances. I put in a lot of mileage uh, throughout my collegiate career, and so um, I had that base built underneath me. And then I just had to learn how to sort of race, um, and and I definitely worked on that the first couple of years and really struggled through it, to be honest. Um, but by the time I got to my you know fourth and fifth years of college, I, I had sort of figured out tactically how to run a 10k and and what I needed to do, and so that was my race. And then. Um, you know, I ran a half marathon, I guess, at the beginning of my last year of college and ran decently. It was a, I ran about 66 minutes and that was a, um, a pretty hilly course and there was no one really, you know, to push me. And so I realized that, you know, there's some potential here. And um, when, when I got in touch with Coach Watson about training at Virginia during my master's, um, he said, we're going to do marathon training. And I said, okay, great. That sounds good. And so, you know, I think, I think that's sort of um, his ideal coaching position especially with some of the workouts and stuff that we do um and it allows me to have some flexibility as well um but you know i think i guess i wouldn't call myself a marathoner yet but certainly um hope to be an up-and-coming marathoner uh, so we'll see how it goes well as as been has been kind of alluded to you ran your debut uh this past fall in chicago looking at the results of the race it looks like really no one had a great day out on that course but you ended up not finishing the race you know what exactly happened out there yeah i mean it was um you know i guess i can sum it up in 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 saying that we made a pretty bold attempt um so it was uh sean kevin and i who've been training together here in charlottesville um, we, you know, just, I think got in a little bit over our heads. We, we all tried to work together, including Rob Watson and, and Sean and I, and, um, we just got out a little bit quick and, and it was a windy day. And, uh, like you said, I mean, a lot of people struggled. And so we got through, um, we got out to about 10 K and, uh, turned around and just got hit with a face full of wind. And we had two other guys to run with who were, um, who had sort of caught up to us, I guess, you know, from eight to 10 K or something. 
Um, and so we tried to push the pace a little bit with them even further, and that was into the wind. And so I think we just, you know, burned a lot of energy there in the first 20K, and um, we definitely paid for it. I, I think around 13 or 14 miles, we started feeling it in our legs, and by the time we got to 16, 17, you know, it was just so obvious that there wasn't anything left. It wasn't one of those things where, you know, we could have ran a decent marathon at the end of it. It was it was more of a, you know, conserve what we can, um, you know, cut our losses and, and chalk it up to a good, you know, first experience where, where we definitely learned a lot but didn't necessarily race um, as smart as we could have. And so I think that that was a huge, um, you know, lesson for me to, to have learned on my first time out there. And I think being a little bit more conservative is probably a good idea. Um, you know, we didn't have any particular goals in mind, um, but Rob uh, was definitely going for his Olympic time. And so we just sort of followed blindly. And I think that was a, you know, we took a bit of a big bite on that first race. So I think we need to reconsider our strategy as we move forward, but it was definitely a good experience. So Pete Watson has this really, really good distance group going on right now, in my opinion. Uh, it includes yourself, Rob Watson, uh, Sean Kevron, who you, uh, you also just mentioned, and a few others. You know, what are the dynamics of that group like, given that it's a mix of, you know, veteran guys like Rob and guys like you uh, and Sean, who are still pretty fresh on the road running scene? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, you nailed that one. We, uh, we're learning a lot from both from both uh, Rob and Pete. And, um, you know, Rob, certainly on the training side, he's got some of uh, the little intricacies about, you know, even as simple as getting bottles and stuff during the race and make sure you're hydrated and um, all those sort of little things. And even just day-to-day stuff that, that Rob was super helpful with um, throughout that training block leading up to Chicago. And then, um, of course, Craig Watson providing us with the workouts and every, every other thing that we could possibly need. Um, you know, it, it's, it is a really good dynamic. Um, and I think, you know, for me, especially, it's great to have Sean to train with because it's, it's our first time out there and our first time doing all this stuff. And, um, you know, it's nice to have somebody in the same boat um, and not just be with Rob and sort of struggling to keep up, um, which thankfully, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't struggle through the first one. Um, that's not to say that I, you know, excelled and sort of had a great marathon. I mean, there's definitely some work to be done, but I thought the first build-up went really well. And so I'm excited for, for the one that we're about to start right now. Unfortunately, we're... Um, the three of us are on a little bit different schedules now, so um, that's where it gets a little bit complicated, you know, with, with Sean being a U.S. citizen and just having done the trials here um, last weekend in L.A., and then Rob um, on the West Coast in Vancouver and may or may not make it back for this training cycle in Charlottesville, and I can't leave because I'm in school. So that part of it isn't maybe ideal, I guess, but um, the rest of it is, is great. I mean, um, you know, I couldn't ask for sort of a better um, win-win for, for me personally, and I think all the other guys would agree with that uh, as well. Well, you just mentioned it, and I think it's pretty much common knowledge at this point uh, because I think Rob said it on his podcast, but uh, you are, in fact, running the London Marathon this spring, uh, which is, you know, such a, a huge marathon. It always attracts the best people in the world. I mean, what, what's your big goal for this race? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, I guess it, it's sort of out there now. Um, we're we're definitely looking forward to, to racing in London, and um, I think it'll be a good experience for me. Um, you know, I, I think it's hard to really say my goals. I, you know, last time I had the goals of, like, you know, let's see what I can do. Like, how close can I get to that Olympic standard? Um, you know, this time I want to race smart. Um, I, I want to have a good race. I obviously want to finish, but, you know, finishing a marathon at this point, that's not something that, that's a, you know, huge challenge for me. It's It's more of you know, getting the time I want. And so I think I just need to nail down the pace that I think that I can reasonably run. And I, and I think that that's, 
you know, certainly somewhere around the, the 215 to 218 range is, is attainable. Um, and obviously I'd love to run 21250, but, you know, hey, if that's not in the cards, I just want to have a good experience. Um, I've had a lot of good races um, at longer distances when I step up where I'm, you know, fairly conservative, and some might even say too conservative. I mean, maybe I could have ran better than 66 minutes in my first ever half marathon, but, you know, I want to come out with a positive experience this time around, and so I think there'll be a good group to run with, and I just want to sort of get in with some guys that are a little bit, you know, closer to my talent um, level and, and not sort of try to take off on my own and do my own thing, like, a bit like we did in um, Chicago. And so, you know, if I can come out of the air just sort of feeling good about what I did and, and with a with a good time somewhere you know, there in the hopefully um, mid, uh, you know, teens, that would be, that'd be a good day for me. Um, and, and we'll see how much better, you know, I can get by that point. So it's definitely still up in the air and I, and I obviously have goals, but I think for this one, I want to be a little bit more modest about them. You know, it seems to be uh, the common pattern these days to uh, run the first part of your career on the track and then finish up running the longer stuff on the roads. Uh, you know, you're on your, uh, on the younger end of your twenties why are you attempting the marathon at this point in time? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I sort of alluded to it earlier in that, um, you know, Coach Watson just sort of said, hey, we're going to we're gonna do the marathon. And, um, you know, he, he has some goals for me that um, that I think are, you know, ambitious for, for any point in anyone's career. And it's definitely going to take a lot of work. It's going to take, you know, more years than just one to get there. But it was a good experience for me to, to just go ahead and get started now, especially because Rob is at that point in his career when he's, you know, he's done a lot of marathons. He knows what he's doing. Um, and, and I want to try to soak up as much from him as I can while I have the opportunity. And same with Coach Watson. And, you know, Sean was doing the build-up as well. And so, I, you know, that I just sort of fit into that puzzle um, pretty well. And so, you know, I took it and ran with it. I, I'm not afraid of, you know, going up in distance. And to be honest, I think the marathon probably at some point will be my distance. Um I really looked up to my high school coach, uh, Van Townsend, for for many years, and he, you know, always pegged me as a marathoner, and I sort of resisted, but at this point in my career, I think I've realized that that's what I'm going for, and, um, you know, I I think it'll be a fun, a fun build-up, even if it's, you know, if if it takes four or five years, that's fine, I just want to, you know, put put in some good work and see what comes out of it, because I think they're, you know, under Pete's guidance, and and having Rob and, and Sean help me along the way. I mean, I think that um, there's some pretty good potential in there. You know, all things considered, the uh, 2020 Olympics aren't all that far off. Uh, you know, how realistic do you feel that it is that you make that team either as a 10,000-meter runner or as a marathoner? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, like you said, it, it is only four years away, and, and time can get shorter as I get older, so... Um, four years probably won't take that long to, to blow by, but, um, I think at the same time I'll be able to get, you know, a solid, what is that? 200 weeks of training in. And, um, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And, um, you know, even if this sort of stint in my training cycle turns out to be more of a strength thing and I go back to the 10 K, I mean, great. Um, I, I certainly don't mind the, the marathon and running on the roads. And to be honest, it's a lot of fun you know, going, going to these races and, um, road races, I mean, and hanging out with people and, and seeing the scene and everything like that. I mean, it, it's hard um, for track races to live up to that um, unless you're like in Europe or, or at some very, you know, specific championship type races. So um, it's a good time. And, and I mean, I'm not, um, I'm not going to sort of count my eggs before they hatch here, but I, I think that, you know, there's definitely that potential. That's what everyone's training for. And, and that's certainly something that, that I'm considering pretty seriously for my career. And, you know, hopefully I, I get to the point where I can be competing for one of those spots. And, and if I get them, then that's sort of, uh, 
the the big goal for me and and if not i mean i'm sure there'll be plenty of things along the way that'll be um you know very fun as well like i've had a chance to make a couple of you know lower um like university uh level national teams and and there's something to be said for those as well so i think um all along the way it'll be a good experience and if that's the the end what's the end goal so if that's the end result i'll be very happy uh, you were born in Sudbury, but uh, then moved to Tennessee at a young age. And by your own description, you moved back and forth between the two countries. Uh, sounds like mostly mostly in Tennessee, though. Uh, you've made it pretty clear that you want to run for Canada, though. You know what ties you to uh, what continues to tie you to the Great White North? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's um, I, you know, I, I moved down here when I was five um, to Tennessee, and, and I've been bouncing around in, in college towns sort of since then, basically. Um, and we go back. You know, over the over the winters, uh, we go to Whistler, and um, so I spend a lot of time. You know, I was training with in Vancouver with Rob, and did a race on the island and stuff. And so I'm always sort of back and forth, um, though not necessarily like living um, all that often. My parents have the luxury of, of moving towards retirement, and so I think that they're looking forward to spending more and more time up there between there and um, the lake house that they've got it made. But um, you know, it's um, it's always been a dream of mine. I remember from a very young age, like definitely under the age of 10 um i had a japanese friend um named kontamori and i i mean i remember this conversation still and we were driving back and forth to swim practice and my parents used to carpool us and uh, we were always talking about how we wanted to make the olympics in swimming and we wanted to do it for our home country because we were both sort of um, displaced or whatever um and, and i've sort of held on to that conversation and that dream and so i think you know i switched sports and, and kanta's moved back to japan and, and i'm sort of by myself here now but um, you know, I've been thinking about it for, for 20 years now or 15 years. And so, um, it's not something that I'm going to give up easily. And, and I think that there's just, um, a lot to be said for where you're born. I mean, you know, I was raised, um, in the South, which is totally different from, from Sudbury, Ontario, but at the same time, um, you know, holding on to, to your heritage and where you're from is, is valuable. And it sort of, I don't know, it gives you some more motivation. I would feel weird, um, having gone to LA or something this past weekend and trying to compete for a spot on the U.S. team just because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't born here and I don't have that um, sort of same flame inside of me. And so I think that's sort of the, the bottom line and, and it's been, it's been a fun ride. And so um, being able to be more involved with the Canadian scene as I get older because of, you know, getting out of college and everything like that has, has really sort of, um, you know, reignited that whole thing for me. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. So be, uh, before you uh, you made the trip to UVA to do your master's, uh, you spent quite a bit of time at the University of Georgia uh, doing your undergrad, and your time there was impressive to say the least. You know, multiple time All American, SEC ten thousand meter champion, SEC uh, scholar athlete. What was the biggest and most lasting lessons that you learned while running in the NCAA's? Um, yeah, the NCAA is great, um, but also humbling. I mean, being in the SEC, it's a huge sports conference, obviously. Um, and so the University of Georgia was really good to its student athletes, and, and I was fortunate to be one of them. And um, I just had a, a lot of support there, and, and I couldn't have done it without them. But, um, you know, I, I think you know, I learned a ton of lessons. I mean, I learned how to, how to work hard and how to manage my time and everything like that. And, you know, trying to keep that stuff going with, without the support systems that they have, even though I'm, you know, here at Virginia and have, you know, sort of a different set of resources. Um, it's, um, it's a little bit different. It was a little bit challenging, but, um, you know, I learned a ton there. I learned how to race, which I think is, is the most important thing that I really learned because like I said, I did a lot of miles, but anyone can do that. Anyone can train hard. 
but learning how to really be competitive um, within a race environment and be, and, you know, be smart from a tactical perspective. Um, you know, th- those aren't lessons that can really be taught. So I think you have to experience races in the NCAA or, or at other, you know, high level competitions to, to figure that sort of stuff out. And so the NCAA was a great um, playground and then proving down for that as well. Since the end of your NCAA eligibility, you've actually run quite a few road races. And, uh, you know, kind of tying to this question, I don't know if you saw from this past weekend, but the, uh, the little presser with, uh, with Meb talking about, uh, about Galen and, and kind of alluding to the differences between road racing and track racing. In your opinion, mm-hmm. how do they compare? How do, do the road races compare to races on the track? And in what world do you feel more comfortable at this point? Um, in a way, they're more grueling. Um, they're longer. Uh, you don't hardly get up to that speed um, that you hit on the track, and so that's a little bit different. Um, and that you're sort of just trying to sustain a pace for a while, and the and the terrain changes, and you know you're not as grouped up with people, and all that's sort of obvious. And um, you know everyone has to deal with it, but it is a different mindset. I mean, it almost seems more cooperative when you're when you're in the road race. I mean. Um, I was always sort of a big fan of talking to people during races anyways, but on the track, that's sort of, no one does that. Um, but certainly on the roads, there's more of a, I guess, a camaraderie in a lot of cases. I mean, um, I've seen a lot of races where we're a large group of people that, you know, basically have nothing in common work together. And, and it's a really unique aspect of road racing, but, um, you know, it's, it's just a ton of fun. Like most, you know, one of the more recent races I did was on Vancouver Island and, um, just went over there with a bunch of elite Canadian athletes. And sort of unexpectedly, we all showed up and raced, and it was a good time. And, um, you know, stuff like that, it, it's just, it's hard to beat. Um, you know, track is fun, but, but this is just sort of a, a new world, and, and I definitely look forward to, to getting back on the track to some degree. But um, being able to mix it up is a lot of fun. Just quickly, are you uh, are you on Galen's side, or are you on uh, Meb's side? <laughs> um, you know, I... I don't know. I, I have a lot of respect for, for Mev, I'll be honest. Um, he's done a lot of good things, and I think that um, his sort of dedication to that red racing scene is pretty impressive, and what he's done with, with his Skechers sponsorship and everything like that is it, it, pretty cool. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm a, I guess I am a big, uh, big Mev fan. Uh, that's the, I think that, I think that's a good answer. Uh, you know, you're currently <laughs> working on your master's right now at UVA. Uh, how's the balance been between training and, uh, schoolwork? Um, yeah, gosh, uh, I won't lie. That's been a challenge. Um, I, somebody forgot to tell me that grad school was going to be hard. Um, <laughs> but I, I guess I'm figuring it out here and, uh, you know, it, it, it's been, um, you know, I've, I've had to make some trade-offs for sure. I mean, you, there's just so much work to be done um, in both uh, marathon training and uh, grad school, and so there's times when you have to you have to make some tough calls. And I mean, it's to the point where you know, rolling and stretching and all that sort of stuff, like the maintenance stuff that you would do before or after a run, it's like, you know, do I have time for that, or do I want to do a couple of extra miles? Um, and so you know, you got to try to squeeze everything in the best you can. And, and sometimes you have to make those trade-offs and, and sometimes they, you know, are good and sometimes they're not so good. And so, um, it comes with its own set of challenges and, and I can't really, you know, downplay, you know, the, the time and the stress of grad school, but at the same time, I mean, it gives me something to get my mind off of, um, well, really running gives me something to get my mind off of, of grad school. And, and they kind of go hand in hand in a sense, because, 
you can sort of think and, and keep track of school while you're running. So it's not the end of the world, but, um, yeah, it's not been, it's not been a walk in the park. And, and I think being able to focus a little bit more on my training would definitely be beneficial, but at the same time, um, you know, I'm getting a master's degree while I'm doing it. And so I can't complain about that. Um, so I'm happy. <laughs> uh, just quickly before I let you go, besides the London yeah. marathon this spring, uh, you know, what else do you have your eye on? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of road races out there. I think um, one of the other ones that I've sort of set my mark for at this point, I guess, um, at the Houston Half Marathon is that World Half Marathon Championships in March. And there's definitely a lot of talented uh, runners in Canada that uh, could go out and, and run, you know, a similar time or faster if they wanted to. And so I'm just sort of waiting to see what the results are in that. But, um, you know, that would be a great experience for me. I mean, um, you know, the Olympics are going to be hard to make, but something, a team like that would be, would be a great experience. And it would give me a little bit of, um, international racing experience on top of what I've got, but especially on the road scene. Um, and you know, it'd be a, a terrific opportunity to see sort of what I really can do in the half marathon. Um, not to get into it, but I just, you know, I haven't trained fully for a half marathon. So I'd like to see, um, where I can get to at that distance. And, um, you know, it'd be exciting to, to hit a race like that. Um, but like I said, there, there's other um, road races that I'm considering and sort of hard to put together a schedule when I don't know about the uh, the selection for that race until so late. But um, right now I'll, I'll probably be sticking mainly to the roads, I guess, to be honest. Um, we had a, a 10K on the track penciled in there for a while, but I think I switched over to a, uh, a road 10K just um, in the spirit of road running. So um, anyways, we'll, we'll see... Uh, We'll see what happens there, but it's definitely still kind of up in the air. I wish I had a better answer because I've gotten that question a lot lately, and I'd like to know it myself, but um, that's half the fun. <laughs> Brandon Lord, he is, uh, he's uh, well, watch for him over the next couple of years because he's, uh, he's going to do some pretty big things, uh, hopefully starting with the, uh, with the London Marathon this spring. Thanks a lot for uh, taking time to be on the show this week. While many athletes can lay claim to 2015 as being their big breakout year, few have as good a case as Trevor Hoffbauer. Trevor, a former CCAA athlete, had two monumental half marathons last year. Surprising the running world with a third place finish at the Canadian Championships and a really quick 104.28 down in Philadelphia last fall. Interestingly enough, a PB that put him well below the cutoff for the World Half Marathon Championship team. Welcome to the show, Trevor. Thank you for having me. Uh, you know, I have to know, you used to post on Strava under the pseudonym uh, Nacho Libre. I'm guessing that had, that's kind of a nod to the Jack Black movie. Uh, why that name? Why Nacho Libre? So I was out on the trails in Bray Creek one day, and I thought it would be really fun to alter my Strava name. And I was thinking initially, like Winnie the Pooh Bear. And you know, you're, you're on the trails for about two hours, two and a half hours, and your mind just kind of grows haywire. And... The longer I thought about it, the funnier I thought it would be to change it over to Nacho Libre. And then you have this picture of this, like, relatively not-so-running-type body. <laughs> so when you're when you're out taking Strava segments, somebody's going to get a notification saying, Nacho Libre just stole your segment. I thought it was just, like, the perfect blend, and then it kind of stuck to me. Oh, that's great. I think all my best ideas come on long runs. Is, is that something that's very much true for you as well? Yeah, it just really takes your mind off of things and it takes you to a different world, right? Like some of my best ideas for work come when I'm on the road and I'm out for a run and same for at home if I, if I have a project idea or something like that. 
it's always on those long runs. So I'm assuming that you're gearing up for a, a pretty big spring season at this point. Uh, what are your workouts and your volume looking like at this time of year? My volume's picked up a little bit over the last little while. Um, I was talking to Athletics Canada over the past couple of weeks, and they reached out to me and invited me down to Puerto Rico. Or, yeah, it's Puerto Rico for the uh, NACAC 10K. Uh, Jeff Martinson seems to have dropped out, so... I got the call and I've really ramped up my mileage over the past three weeks or so to get prepared for that. And it's not the wisest of choices to really ramp it up that quickly, but it had to happen. And I think I'm going to stay consistent running about a hundred mile weeks and trying to blend that in as well as I can with work for the spring. Oh, that's huge. That's huge. You know, you came up through an often underrated CCAA, uh, which is the college system up here in Canada, for those who don't know. Uh, tell me about your experiences running in the college system, and uh, where do you think the competition ranks in comparison with the, the CIS? Yeah, I loved running for the CCAA league. In comparison to CIS, it definitely doesn't have as much of a top-tier athlete as... Um, or did I get that right? Yeah. So CCAA isn't as competitive as CIS for sure. But when I got into the league and when I met up with my coach initially, I just made myself a goal to get a little bit better every day. And I just worked and worked at that. And he always believed in me and he helped me out in that regard. And it's kind of flourished from there. When I was at CCAA, I was not a top tier athlete by any standards, but I just kept working afterwards, whereas a lot of people might drop off from the sport when they're done school because you can't really get a scholarship or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, last year I think you shocked a lot of people when you went uh, 107.22 to take third uh, in the Canadian Half Marathon Championships in, you know, what was a fairly stacked field, uh, in my opinion anyways. Given the race was in your home base of Calgary, do you think that there's a bit of a home course advantage there? A little bit considering I was training up here and I was kind of used to the conditions, but like everybody else, you have to run the race on the same day in the same conditions. And um, you can't say you have like a really home field advantage as opposed to not having a home field advantage. Um, Also Calgary drivers are crazy. So you can't run on the road (laughs) where the course is taking place anytime beforehand. It's just really getting used to the conditions that maybe give me an edge uh, in comparison to some other runners. You know, while that, that was a big breakout moment for you, arguably your race at Philadelphia at the Philadelphia half this year was even bigger, you know, rolling a one Oh four, seven twenty eight, uh, which was, you know, good enough for the third fastest time by a Canadian last year. Uh, describe that race to me. Oh, I don't even know where to begin. It was the greatest moment I've ever had in terms of my short running career so far. Um, coming off of Calgary, it was an honor to get third place. And I was really, really happy with that. But I knew that I had to do more work to get down to the shape that I got in. And I just kept working and working and coming into Philadelphia, I put in so much work and I was so toast. I was really, really looking forward to actually just getting the race over with and going home. And the conditions just, everything clicked. It's it's really, really hard to describe it other than that. it's You put in the work, you 
constantly believe in yourself. You just go in there with a positive attitude. You just, you relax yourself as well. You don't worry too much about the competition. You just go out there believing that the training you did got you prepared well enough for the race ahead of you. And you just run. And literally that's the secret. You just run. (laughs) There's no plan. You just go. Well, I mean, I do want to talk about that because there was a three-minute difference, be almost a three-minute difference between the two races last year. And, you know, the the 65-minute barrier is quite a tough one. I, you know, there's a lot of really good athletes who never break through that. When did you know that you were capable of a 104.28? I think it was right around the middle to the end of October. I was putting in some good workouts. And I had this one really strong tempo that I went under 31 minutes for 10K and um, up in Calgary. So I knew that I was in good shape, but I didn't know if I could crack down under 105. But I just had this goal time in my mind of 104. And that's all I focused on. Every day, every run, no matter if it was a recovery run, long run, workout, I only focused on the number 64. And that mentally got me prepared. And then on the other side of things, my alarm clock every day, uh, it was titled Cardiff World Half Chance. Hmm. And that got me mentally prepared right when I opened up my eyes every day. So combining those two on the mental side of things got me prepared to really hammer that time out. But you also have to do the work. There is a little bit of a physical component. And there was a few workouts towards the end of October where I felt really, really sharp. You know, one of your goals, as you just mentioned, was to qualify to go to Cardiff and uh, race in the World champion, uh, world Half Championship. Uh, right now, it looks like you've kind of been unseated by guys like, you know, Rob Watson and Reed Coolset. which, to be fair, I mean, if you're going to be outseated by anyone, it's it's probably those guys. You know, I know a lot of runners our age, because I know we're a similar age, you know, really look up to those guys. How does it feel to make that transition uh, to running with them and competing with them for those top spots from, you know, looking up to them? It's really cool, <laughs> to say the least. Over the past few years, I've really, really looked over to Reed Colset. And when he came out here for Calgary Marathon weekend, we hung out a little bit, like we had dinner at Jeremy Deers with John Mason and Alan Brett was there. And we had a good um, core of three guys that used to run in Guelph. Alan Brett used to run in Guelph. Uh, John and Reed still do. Mm-hmm. But it was a really cool experience just to get some of his international knowledge and just to hang out with him and see how he is on a personal basis. Because you can race against a person, but you can also hang out with a person. And I've I find it really valuable that you can have a conversation with runners outside of the race itself. And that's where um, Reed really put himself ahead of some of the other athletes that I look up to. And I just know him a little bit more on a personal basis, but I also really look up to Rob Watson. Like he's a hilarious guy. He's very outspoken um, and he runs hard and he, he's just straight up about everything. If you ever listen to his, podcast i know it's Mm -hmm. we're on one podcast we shouldn't (laughs) be talking about another one (laughs) oh no but it's funny it's funny and dylan wikes is another guy i look up to because i know he has a heart of gold he's very down to earth um he's respected internationally as well as um, right here at home within canada and he works harder than anybody else that i've ever heard of 
in terms of the marathon and his personal goals. So I look up to those three guys immensely. And I really look forward to meeting some of the other guys like Brandon Lord's up and coming. I've hung out with Thomas Toth when I was in Boston and uh, Eric Gillis. Hopefully I can meet that guy in the near future. You know, I, I just want to go back to, to Philly for just a second. Uh, I believe he split the, the 10 kilometer mark in 3019, which is, you know, is, is pretty huge. Uh, based on the course and your fitness, what do you think that you could run an all-out 10,000 in? And uh, how much did you have in the tank at that point in the Philadelphia half marathon? Honestly, for the 10,000 meter, I don't know. <laughs> I'm still progressing and I still have some energy left in the tank and I still have a lot of potential behind me. So I never really focus on where I think I can go right now. And I just, I always think of the highest standard possible. So if I were to give you an honest opinion right now, and I don't want to get <laughs> any feedback regarding this, but I think I could go 28 mid right now in a 10,000 meter. It, it might be a little ambitious, but I never shy away from that. And when it comes down to Philadelphia, at the end of the race, I made a bit of a mental error at mile 12, and I, I calculated the distances wrong, and I don't like looking at my watch. So I never, look at, I never took a look at how much distance I had left, and I thought I had about five kilometers left when I actually had three and a half. So um, I think I could have went under 104, and I felt like I could have the group started to pull away at that point when I made that mental error. And if I would have went with them, I would have went under 104, but I didn't. And you can't live in the past and you just have to keep moving forward. So I'll just leave it at that, but there's definitely room for improvement. You know, on your blog, you say that uh, you will be at the 2020 and 2024 Olympics. And quite frankly, I believe you, uh, what do you think the focus will be? Do you plan on, you know, moving down to the 10,000 and really focusing on that? Or do you plan on making that jump up to the full marathon? Yeah, those two, those two Olympic games are my goals. And I always keep that at the back of my mind and I'm just going to go for it. I don't really care about what others think. If, if they believe in me or not, that's great, but I'm just going to go for it and hopefully it, it works out. But I think that, my potential is going to be in the marathon. I might give it a shot in the 10,000 meter, and that's a big might, but there's still a lot of time to be told. I'm still only 23 years old, so when 2020 comes around, I'll be 27, 28, and then even 2024, I'll be 34, 35. So there's some time to play around with the distance, I haven't really locked down what distance I'll attempt, but time will tell. Do you have a, Do you have any plans for when you're going to uh, maybe attempt your first marathon? I'm thinking 2018. Okay, okay, you, you heard it here first. Do you have anything? You, do you have any courses in mind? Haven't really looked too far yet. Um, unfortunately it won't be Calgary marathon, <laughs> but, um, yeah, we'll see. Maybe, maybe somewhere in Europe. I love Europe. That place is great. So it might be out there. Um, and also I have family in Michigan and Illinois, so maybe Chicago, but, um, that's still two years away. 
Fair enough, fair enough. You know, I don't think that Calgary really gets enough credit for his running scene. Uh, you know, talk to me about some of the great runners out there right now and uh, what the local running scene has done to, to help you and your significant journey. Yeah, you know, Calgary has a really, really solid running community. We're definitely not a top-tier city like Guelph or Vancouver, but we have some solid guys. Like Keenan Viney is running really well right now. Jeremy Deere as a master. Um, he hits home runs no matter what race he does. He's, he's the ageless wonder. He'll run 109 half marathons till the day he dies. So he's a really, really strong master's runner. And we have some other strong uh, older runners as well. Like Blaine Penny, he's very involved with the community and he has his personal life there as well. And he also runs a charity, but he's a strong runner as well. He just works and works. And um, we have Adam Campbell out in Canmore and he lives periodically here in Calgary and we get out for runs and he's strong in the ultra marathon scene. So when it comes to Calgary, we're more strong in that ultra marathon scene. We have a lot of travelers. And even Ian McNairn with uh, the North Face. So he's out here as well. And on the track, we have young guns like Roman Justinian, Alex James, triathletes like Stefan Daniel, Russell Pennock. We have Sarah MacArthur out here too. Melissa Jones came out from Guelph. Um, we have Jess O'Connell. Like, the Jess O'Connell. That's kind of the pinnacle of 5,000 meter in Canada right there so you can't overlook that we also have fiona benson marina bernard so we have some strong strong young track athletes and they're only going to be getting better he is nacho libre also known as trevor hoffbauer uh had a huge breakout season uh this past year in 2015 and we expect even more to come from him in uh, 2016 2017 and beyond thanks a lot for being on the show this week trevor Thank you, Michael. It was a pleasure. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Terminal Mile. Big thanks to Trevor and Brandon for their time, Tracky for their ongoing support, and to you for listening. You can find us online on Twitter at the Terminal Mile, on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, as well as on Tracky.ca. This has been the Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production. Hey.